Good morning, everybody. It is a pleasure to be with you this morning, and uh, I want to welcome you. If you're a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you and just say thank you so much for joining us. And I mean, my hope and my prayer for you is the same as it is for every single person every single week, and that's simply no matter where you are in your faith that you would be able to take a step towards Jesus. There is no greater name, no more powerful name, no more loving name than his. And uh, it's been a Sunday. It's been a, it's been a day, and a part of this, if you're like, oh, is Jimmy all right? Um, I don't like allergies, I don't like any of this, and I don't like the congestion, and the other part of this is very clearly just being overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in worship today, and it's like, well, just thanks for leading a team that says, I don't know what we're going to do with this, we're just going to respond to Jesus, and uh, I needed that, to, that was like water for my soul this morning, and so, man, there's nothing better than just getting to worship. I know that you're probably thinking, why, why is Jimmy in a bow tie? Is it special day? Yes, he is risen. See, you're better today than you were last week with this. Jesus is still risen. I can still dress up, and bow ties were cool last week, but they're different this week. So now, look, look, I could still be different. And uh, it's actually really, I, I love that we're in a series now called What Made Him Different, and looking at Jesus, where we understand he grew up just like every other person in his culture for close to 30 years or more, and then something shifted over the last three years that was very different. And what was it? And last week, we, we unpacked how the resurrection of Jesus Christ is different because he said something so shocking three years before it actually happened that people remembered. And he's, they were like, oh, oh, he was serious. And he did it. Well, guess what? That's different. That's different. And so I'm really excited that we get to kind of go over and and if there's one thing that I've learned as I've read the story of Jesus, and as we read through the story of Jesus through Mark this month, I have realized about Jesus that he knew that people heard what he said very differently. People heard what he said differently. And, and this may surprise you, so let me see your eyes for a second. This may surprise you this morning, but I'm going to tell you a truth that Jesus knew that we all hear differently. Okay, we all hear differently. And I was like, no, I hear things. No, no, no. We all hear differently. I'm telling you. I know this experience happens weekly for me right here at Crossbridge. I promise you, every Sunday I manuscript and prepare one message. But I swear, as I talk to many of you throughout the week, you've listened to very different messages. Said the same thing, but you heard it very, very differently. And, and sometimes you'll even say, you know, Pastor Jimmy, when you said, and I'm thinking, I never said that. And I'll go back and listen and think, I didn't say that. Who were they listening to? You know, because we all hear differently. You know, um, a couple of um, years ago when I was coming and kind of stepping into the lead pastor role at Crossbridge, we did a survey across our church to kind of figure out who are we, what makes us up as a body, and where can we grow to look more like Christ. And so it was very funny to me to get surveys back. Have, if You've done surveys for your business. Let me see your hand real quick, your business or something you work for. Okay, great. So then you know your favorite section is the comment section, right? This is where the real change happens. And it was this, you know, church-wide assessment with no names and anything attached. And it was all online, so I can't even match the writing to things, you know? And what, what was wild is Pastor Will and I began to read some of these comments because he was just newly on staff and we were figuring things out together. We um, started to go through this and laughed. We laughed at some of the comments because we realized how people come to the table with all their different expectations and agendas. You have them right now this morning. And I know that. 
it was helpful and hysterical to see how people see and hear differently. When it came to our worship through music, we read comments like, the worship team is too showy and expressive. This is a little bit of a paraphrase there. But then the next line would say, the worship team is not expressive or engaging enough. Wait, what? Which is it? Which is it? The truth is we hear and we see differently, don't we? When it came to the teaching at Crossbridge, I already knew a majority of these opinions because you've shared these with me, which I appreciate. I, I do. I very much appreciate it. But we would read something like, the teaching is too shallow. It's topical. Sermons should be deeper, verse by verse. I want to feel challenged and convicted. I, I, I love that that person's basically saying, yell at me, Pastor Jimmy, yell at me. And then we'd read something like this, and I, and I took, this is an exact quote. The others are pretty much paraphrases, but this was an exact quote because I took a screenshot of it to remind me of why I teach and why I do what I do, and it was this. This is why I love this church. I've been going to church for a big part of my life, and I've never heard this story being told like this. So which is it? Because I know the message in the series that this person's talking about. I know who wrote that because they came to me saying, I, I cannot get enough of the teaching and what we're going through. And I remember some of the critiques that came with that series as well. They were pretty hard to receive, believe it or not, early on. But I'm continually coming to terms with something Jesus already knew and that it made his teaching so different. And, and this is what he knew. People hear differently, so he taught differently. People hear differently, so he taught differently. And his approach in the first century, I got to tell you, it was foreign for them, and it is even more removed for us in the 21st century today. Today, we have thousands of books and podcasts and master classes teaching us how to teach others and how to be heard, right? How to build a bigger platform. And, and they all say the same thing. I'm going to save you a lot of money right now. You ready? They tell you the same thing. First is be clear. Second is connect the dots for people. And the third is get to the point. That's what they're going to tell you. Be clear, connect the dots, get to the point. Jesus was never any of those things. He was never any of those things. Let me show you, if you would. Um, would you do me a favor and turn to the Gospel of Jesus, written, the biography of Jesus, written by Matthew. It'll be the first book in your New Testament. Um, and, and we're going to be in chapter 13. Now, this is going to be in the center of this biography of Jesus. And so if you've never read the story of Jesus before, um, I would highly encourage you, dive in, read it. Um, and this is one of his disciples who writes this, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13. He says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake, and a large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. There he sat, or then he sat there and he taught as the people stood on the shore. And we're going to pause here because we read about this large crowd gathering. In the previous 12 chapters, Jesus has been performing different kinds of miracles. He's been teaching in the synagogue, and people are drawn to him from all different walks of life. This is at this point, a very, very diverse crowd that has come to hear Jesus. There are farmers, 
There are fishermen. There are tax collectors. There are prostitutes. There are families. There are professional teachers of the law and Pharisees. There are men, women, children. If you had this collective group of people, let me ask you, what would you teach if everyone came to hear you? What would you talk about? In this moment, recognize everyone's eyes are fixed on you, but some of those eyes are longing, some of those eyes are critical, and some of those eyes are distracted by shiny things. What would you teach? Jesus, he taught the same exact thing all the time. His message was always the same. We read about it earlier in Mark this month, but it's great that Matthew, this biography writer here, he tells us exactly the same thing that Mark did that Jesus was always talking and teaching about. You ready for this? If you, you don't even have to turn back there, but a couple chapters before in Matthew chapter 4, this is what we read. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. This was his whole message. Everywhere he went, he was telling people everywhere, repent of your sins and turn to God. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. If you jump down to verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing what? The good news about where? About the kingdom. Jesus was all about the good news about the kingdom of heaven. And I know you're probably saying, how could repenting of your sins be good news? Oh, let me tell you, there's nothing freer than having a short account with God of sin that sits on you. It is so freeing, so freeing. He wasn't, what's interesting about Jesus is he wasn't trying to sell people on believing his teaching so that they could go to heaven. Jesus was not a get out of hell free card. He taught that the kingdom of heaven has come. It is near. And in verse 17, when he says near, he's not talking about like the time is almost here. He's talking geographically and physically. The kingdom of heaven is right in front of you. The kingdom of heaven has invaded earth through the person of Jesus Christ. We just sang about that. This is exactly what we just prayed and worshiped God about. And, and everything that Jesus does is constantly pointing and teaching us to what the kingdom of heaven on earth looks like. And he's inviting us into that to say, follow me through my life and through my teachings. And believe me, I am positive, I am positive and certain that Jesus regularly studied and read the Old Testament, just like the teachers of the law did. But what's interesting is he very rarely started here when he was teaching. Do you know what he did most of the time? He told stories. This is what Jesus did. His different approach was telling stories. Matthew calls these parables, parables. Um, how many of you have heard that word before, parables? It's usually only something we use in church. This, and, and parables are um, they're heavenly stories with a point, but they're based in physical realities that are around people. And a lot of times, they're kind of like riddles if you ever read them. There's no real answer that Jesus gives to a parable. Parables, let me, let me make this clear, parables are not moral tales. These aren't Aesop's fables teaching you that slow and steady wins the race. They're not moral tales. They're earthly stories meant to invite you in 
to an idea of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. I know that might be different if you're like, no, 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 seriously. No, his goal was to teach us about what the kingdom of heaven looks like through stories. And, you know, just if you have uh, Matthew 13 open, you know, we, we stopped at verse 3, but just go ahead, jump down to verse, you know, 24. It says, here is another story Jesus told. What, what is he talking about? The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is what? It's like a farmer who planted seeds. Or jump to verse 31. It says, you know, here's another illustration Jesus used. The, you could talk louder than this. I know this. The, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in the field. Uh, verse 33. Jesus also used this illustration. The, yeah, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman uses in making bread. Uh, 44. The, it's like a treasure that a man discovered in a hidden field. All right, let's just jump to verse 47. Again, the is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. Can you see a theme that Jesus is going after? The kingdom of heaven. And, and we have this idea of heaven and all, and he's like, let me just explain to you what this looks like. And instead of forcing information down people's throat, he used approachable stories parables to invite them in. And in the beginning of this passage, Jesus is surrounded by this diverse crowd with rapt attention. If you were showing up to hear Jesus, what would you hear in that moment? What would you expect to be hearing? Because honestly, that probably says more about you than it does about Jesus because he was always about the kingdom of heaven. You ready for what he's about to teach on here? Check this out. Jump into verse 3 with me. Matthew 13. It says, listen. This is an invitation. It's not a command. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Yeah, he just stops. There's no more. That's the end of the story. Is this frustrating to anybody else besides me? We like answers, don't we? Solve this. Tie it up. Make the sitcom all work out in the end. Can I tell you that Jesus values something other than regurgitated facts and information? He values something other than being clear. Jesus wants to draw people in and then force you to think for yourself. It's probably not what you expected to hear at church today, is it? Jesus invites us in to think for ourselves, and he draws people in, and he's inviting them. Reflect a little bit here. Do some soul searching that you might not have done. I'm inviting you to look inward instead of just giving you the answers. His teaching was so much more personal and accessible than any other teaching of the time. And so in this moment, he tells a story about diverse seed, or seeds to like farming to this diverse crowd which means that, let's be real, people would have heard him differently, correct? 
if people showed up already hating him, how do you think they would have heard this? They would have heard this man who now has this giant gathering that we read all the time they're jealous about Jesus getting. And now they're listening and he gets up and he's like, there's a farmer who sows seeds and they fall in different places. If you have ears, listen. They're probably stopping in that moment and they're like, oh, this is easy. This guy's an idiot, right? He's an idiot. This guy's nuts. He's got everybody wrapped in this is what he's going to teach them. What a dummy. He's going to tell them gardening tips. We know these things already. They could write them off so easy. If they came searching and wondering because of all of these other miracles and teachings that they've heard about, they're probably thinking about some of his other teachings and his other stories. Maybe they would have sat here thinking if they've never heard him, like, huh, that's not what I expected when I went to see Jesus today. I know it's definitely not what I'm used to hearing when I go to church or temple or synagogue. I mean, what, what am I supposed to do with this? If they had kids present, which I'm sure they did, this probably would have been the best conversation. Right? Mom, dad, what's this guy talking about? Is he a gardener? Are we the seeds? Are we the soil? Like, are we supposed to go home and garden? Are, are, are we supposed to plant things? And then, and are we going to plant things when we go home? If we plant, hey, do, you, do we have any snacks? To, he's talking about soil and seeds. Does he have snacks? Did we bring any figs with us? Because I'm kind of hungry. When is this over? Come on, you know what happened then, just like now, right? This is probably what happened, and, and I would have loved this. It's the same exact story that's being preached and taught, but very different ways of hearing that could have gone on. And so in this moment, a parable is told. Did everybody get it? Did everybody understand in that moment? The first time Jesus said it, they're like, oh, God, I nailed it. No, no, not at all. Because in the very next verse, this is what we read in Matthew 13, Verse 10, it says his disciples came to him. This is the pros, right? They've been with him already. The disciples came to him and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? They're really trying to say, Jesus, you're really confusing us over and over. and We need help. But the people need help. The people. I am so thankful for the disciples. They just don't get it. They are confused. They give me hope. The parable is forcing the disciples to start asking questions and trying to work it out. Is this not what Jesus has intended the whole time? And this right here is one of the reasons that I believe we need to constantly be going back into the Bible to read, reread, 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 and reread what it says. When I'm in a conversation with people about Jesus, about the Bible, and they say something like, oh yeah, I've already read that story before. I've, I've heard a sermon on that passage already. I, I understand it. I need to tell you, when I hear this, I get unbelievably confused. And I honestly feel like I'm doing something wrong sometimes because I will be candid. The Bible is not always that easy and clear to me. I cannot just read things once and then understand it. I, I've learned that the way that I read the Bible 25 years ago as a teenager is very different than the way that I read it when I was in my 20s than now in my 40s. In my 40s, I feel like I've said this to my small group out with on Wednesday nights. Jeff, how many times have I said to you, I feel like I'm reading the Bible with completely new eyes. Like, I've never read this, but I've read it a hundred times. It's brand new, 
Jesus' teaching was never about cramming a bunch of information into his followers' heads so that they could pass the heaven, you know, heaven entrance examination exam. You know, like, they were not trying to get into heaven, and can you name the 12 disciples? Can you? His teaching was about cultivating an open mind, asking questions, trying to open our ears so that we could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. It was about always being a learner, never an expert, and if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that life changes. Life changes. And we don't know nearly as much as we think we know. Would you agree? Amen. We don't know nearly as much as we think we know. I, I, know, I know some people think they know it all. I understand that. Let me tell you the truth. They don't. They don't. They're just unwilling to change their minds. Jesus' teaching frustrates people who know it all and who don't want to change their minds because that's what he's calling us to constantly be doing because it pushes for us to always be learning, to always be rethinking what we think that we know about the kingdom of heaven. Different stories that Jesus has and different teachings have impacted me differently in each season. When I was a teenager and I read in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talked about you know, lust and, and how to, you know, if you look at someone lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. So if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I'm thinking, I'm not going to have any sin. I'm not going to have a limb left. I, I don't know what to do with this teaching. It was so difficult. But at this point, that teaching is very different for me. But I'm wrestling with a different passage that I blew over 25 years ago. And I, I look at Matthew 5. Same biographer, and he writes this in verse 43. He says, have you heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I, I like loving my friends, but loving my enemies, God? How am I supposed to do this? And praying for those who persecute me? I know what people said about me when I left my last church. I, I know what people say about me when they leave this church. Just so you know, I love connecting and networking with the pastors in this area. I texted half a dozen of them this morning that I was praying for them because I love them. And I want to see the kingdom of heaven expand in their churches, not just at Crossbridge. I love them. And I know they love me. So when you throw me under the bus, guess what? They tell me, and sometimes it's valid. Sometimes you think you know it all, and you don't. You're running from sin. But Jesus' teaching in this hasn't changed, and my life has. I need to pray for those people, not get frustrated at them. I love them. If I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, then my life will constantly be changing with what I read about Jesus. It never gets old. And I'm constantly then trying to take what Jesus says and line it up to my life and say, am I lining up with Jesus? And if I'm not lining up with Jesus, am I really a citizen of heaven right now? Because he wants heaven on earth to be the case. If I'm comfortable, the truth is I'm probably not listening. Let me just say that again in case you missed that and you're not hearing. If you have ears here, if you're comfortable, you're probably not listening. This is what made Jesus' teaching different than everybody else's. It wasn't about knowledge transfer, capturing, regurgitating. 
It was about listening. And it was about transformation. The disciples, they were listening, right? They're trying to figure it out. So Jesus helps them understand, just like the Holy Spirit helps us to understand today. And, and this is what he says to them. Jump to verse 11 with me in, verse, in chapter 13. Jesus replied, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more, what's that word there? More understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little, what's the word? Even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. That's why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This word understand is so crucial because when we in the 21st century in America hear this word, we think of intelligence and knowledge. We think of knowing something. This is logical. You know, it's rooted actually in Greek and Roman thinking, which would have been completely foreign to the people that Jesus was talking to at this point. They would have been fighting against that idea of understanding. In the traditional Hebrew culture, they had no concept of this. I mean, honestly, if you go through the Old Testament, I don't think there's a single word in the Old Testament that references the brain in Hebrew. There is no word for brain. It, it just didn't exist. And understanding in that culture meant that whatever it is that you were taking in impacted the way that you lived. You understood something, you would receive it, and if you responded to it, then people would say, oh, you understand. That's very different for, than us, isn't it? We know lots of things. I think we are an uh, unbelievably obese Christian culture with no understanding. We know all the things he says, but do little of it. Jesus is saying, I, I need you to understand. And people, I could tell you, that you will understand and people will see that you understand by the way that you live. Then they'll know you were listening. Jesus says, do you have ears? Great. Listen. This was different than the teachers around him who would pride themselves. How much scripture do I know and how much do my disciples know? How many theologians and commentators from the past can they study and understand so that they know the answers to the questions that might be asked and, and we can have all of the content? But Jesus knew you could have that but still not hear a single thing. So he took deep biblical truths and he taught them in a way that everyone could understand if they were listening. If they were listening, and, and believe it or not, that's exactly what this whole parable that Jesus just told us about. That's exactly what this whole parable is about. When the disciples ask, can you teach us? In verse 11, it tells us that they were invited to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus explains this one, and so we'll look at it quickly. And, and what's great is sometimes people call this the parable of the seeds. It's not the parable of the seeds. It has nothing to do with the seeds. It's basically where the seeds land. It's a parable of soil. It's a parable of soil, each one representing a very different condition of our heart. In verse 18, Jesus says, now listen to the explanation about the parable of the farmer who planted seed. 
The seed that fell on the footpath, okay, this is that hard path, represents those who hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Uh, let's just, when Jesus says this is the, the, the hard path, this is people who don't care, <clears throat> right? This is people who don't care. Um, it didn't matter how Jesus taught, they had no intention of listening. Any seeds falling on the path are either trampled by people or they're going to be picked up and feeding the birds. They never had a chance to begin with, okay? Um, there's probably some of you here right now thinking, Jimmy, seriously, just hurry up and close this out so we can get on to what's next. Just be done. I've showed up. I, I could check that. I'm done. I'm getting there. All of this that I'm going through now means absolutely nothing to you. For what it's worth, I'm so glad that you're here still. I'm glad you're here because you came either to support someone that you love or your heart is so hard right now that you don't even know what to do, but you found yourself in a group that's got a bunch of brokenness with it. You can break with us. It's okay. But if you don't want to and you just, that's a path. It's a path. Do you have ears? Listen. The seed that fell on the rocky soil, Jesus says, represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. These are the people who, um, Jesus says, their hearts are in a place where they're ready to follow Jesus, but they haven't really counted the cost of following Jesus. On Sundays, maybe a small group night, you're all in. It's like being Instagram friends with Jesus, right? That's what this is like. But as soon as he wants to start tagging you in posts, he starts tagging you in his stories with the things that he says, it's like, ah, I, I could be friends with you, but don't tag me. I, I, could, be, I could let people know that I know you, but don't, don't be with me. I, I love the whole like love thing that you talk about, but you know the persecute praying for the people who persecute you, like forgiveness, uh, like oh wait, I don't want to do those things, so we'll just keep it a distance. This soil likes the idea of Jesus, but backs off when it gets very personal, and when it's going to cost them something, and people would be like, "Oh, I saw you were friends with him. He tagged you in this. Do you believe that?" Do you have ears? Listen. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the word of God. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. What's interesting about this soil to me is that there's already stuff growing there. Right? It's not bad soil. There's already stuff growing here. Seeds that fall on this soil can grow, but it will be in constant competition for the sun, for water, for the nutrients, for root space. There's a constant battle in these hearts between priorities and values. The message is there. I believe it's been received, but often it's pushing against thorns. Even if it does root, I think one of the most sad pieces of what Jesus says here is that it will produce no fruit. 
Oh, it benefits nobody. It's wasted. It's pointless. This won't mean anything unless the weeds are dealt with and it has space to grow, but many of us, we live with very, very crowded hearts, don't we? In constant competition with the seed that's been sown. Do you have ears? Listen. And the final soil, he says, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly, what is it? Okay, let's say it again. The, the, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those who hear and understand, right? We hear differently. We're called to understanding. We need to hear it to understand it. It's got to impact our life. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. Let me tell you, good soil doesn't just happen, right? You don't buy a farm and they're like, oh yeah, it's all ready for you to go. If you want to plant seed in soil that produces 30, 60, 100 times what you planted, it takes work. You never plant seeds and then just walk away thinking, oh, I'll be good to go. It just doesn't work that way, does it? This means that we are constantly pulling weeds in good soil because weeds grow up in good soil, don't they? I know this. I can't grow things outside my house. I live in a townhome, so I try to grow things in pots. Thank God no one lets me have a farm. Jesus, thank you for that. No one would eat. I don't know how to do this well. But I know that that, that soil has to be turned. I know that roots need to be pulled. Which is why I think the first part of Jesus' message is to repent. And ask forgiveness for our sins. And he's like, I'm good enough to take all that from you. You will have weeds grow up just like I do. Our hearts can be these fresh, good soils, but it's going to take work. They need to be dealt with. They cannot be buried. If you think that you could just put more dirt over a weed, you know what happens? The roots just go deeper. We need to repent. That's, I love this about our church. Keep short accounts. It's constantly these hearts are taking the words of Jesus taking the Bible and saying, asking the Holy Spirit, would you help this turn the soil in my heart? I can't break what's there. I need you to do that. So would you turn things up for me? Would you reveal the weeds in my life that I've been covering? Would you bring fresh rain to the water of my heart? Would you shine your light and stimulate growth in my heart? This is why we need to go back to the teachings of Jesus all the time. Our lives are changing, but Scripture is not. It hasn't changed. If you're here and you're thinking, yeah, I, I know that already. Like, I know those stories. I get it all. You may intellectually have it in your brain, and you could repeat it back to someone who asked, but just because you know Jesus doesn't mean you've been conformed by Jesus or transformed by him. Jesus never asks us to know the right answers. Instead, he invites us to a lifelong journey of asking questions, opening our eyes, and most importantly, tending to the soil of our hearts. And it's not for our sake. This isn't so that your life is better because tending is hard. If you grow all that fruit, how much are you going to eat? You don't need it a hundred times what you produced. And if you think you'll store it up for yourself, you won't. You know who that's for? 
It's for others. It's not for you. Jesus' last command to the disciples before he left them was go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. Our job is to make disciples. Do you have ears? Listen. That's our job. Disciples are teaching them what Jesus loves and teaching them what he's taught us and what he's commanded us to do. What made Jesus' teachings different was that they were approachable. They were hopeful and they invited people to be part of the kingdom of heaven. I really hope that at Crossbridge, regardless of who has the privilege of bringing the word, that you find it approachable, that you find hope, that you find it invitational, but I also pray every single week that it leads to questions on your car ride home, that it leads to things that frustrate you during the week, that drive you to want to go into the Bible yourself, to read the words of Jesus, to read what the prophets have said. Mostly, I hope that whomever is up here has the privilege of preaching that it inspires you to tend to the soil of your heart so that you could be ready, that you could be ready to present the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you could be invited into any opportunity because your heart is ready to sow seeds to someone else whose heart may be ready. This is not for us. This is about the kingdom of heaven expanding here on earth. This is what we've been invited into. I have no neat closing for you today. No five steps to understanding Jesus' teaching better, anything like that. His stories, his teachings, they haven't changed. The farmer goes out. He scatters some seed and they fall in different places on a path on some shallow soil some rocky soil and prepared soil do you have ears listen Jesus, I thank you that we can listen. Holy Spirit, in this moment, I just ask that you would reveal what you would desire from this parable, this riddle, to us right now. Jesus, I thank you for your teachings, and I even pray with this. Lord, would you give us wisdom as a church to figure out what kind of soil we are as a body? Do we receive your teachings and respond to them and understand them? Or do we just intellectually know them? Would we be people who understand in the way that you understand? God, I thank you so much for your teachings. I thank you that they are timeless, that they are invitational, that, oh God, I just, Jesus, thank you that your plans are better than my plans. And when I step outside of it and get pissed at you and say it's not fair, You never say, but I told you so. You say, okay, I can redeem that. Come back in. And so, God, I pray against the lies of the enemy right now that are going to want to come and steal seeds in this moment. Lord, would you give us fertile hearts to hear, but I thank you in this moment as a church, 
we remember your teaching that whenever you get together, would you celebrate my death and resurrection? Would you remember what I have done? And we did it last week. We'll do it this week and we'll continue to do that because we understand nothing matters outside of this. And without the resurrection, we have nothing. So we are hopeful as citizens of the kingdom of heaven today. Thank you for this privilege in Jesus' name. Amen.